Hello and welcome to Seducing Aliveness. We're so glad you are here. This is show number 100. The King of Nature of Play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> That's celebratory yeah. worthy, just saying. <laughs> it really is. You know, when you think about that, 100 shows and 100 Monday through Fridays, it's pretty cool to go, hey, that's pretty cool. That's pretty consistent because I don't always have a great um, time doing consistency. Sometimes I actually kind of hesitate and because I'm so rebellious and I'm such a wing nut that to look at that and go, hey, that's pretty good. <laughs> I'm kind of proud of myself personally for 100. So, yay, congratulations to you. Congratulations <laughs> to me. Congratulations <laughs> to Seducing Aliveness and all of the listeners who have been with us along the way. Um, in fact, I want to acknowledge one of the listeners. Uh, she commented on Facebook today, um, Eleanor. She said, I have been present for every show. So congratulations for being consistently oh, present for 100 wow. shows live. Right? Wow. Yes, Eleanor, love your energy, love your contribution. Um, wonderful having you present with us for every yeah. show. How does it get any better? <laughs> right? Yeah, it's really amazing. It is amazing to have such amazing listeners, and I know there are many of you that can't listen live, but you do listen to every show, and I think that it is just – it really – I don't know. You know, we don't do this for kudos, but it does give us, like, that sense of – Wow, so glad you're here. Thank you for the the support and, you know, the chat room or the Facebook messaging or the follow-up texts afterward, however you communicate. It's just really a nice contribution to know because, really, we we would be talking to ourselves if if you weren't listening. So it's good to know you're here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it brings up something that you mentioned yesterday that came up yesterday because I tell you, I don't know about you, but I have been chomping at the bit all week to finally get to Friday when we get to talk about play, one of my favorite things, uh, one of my favorite four-letter words. So yesterday what came up was Playmates. And um, I adore Playmates. Right, people that and and it's funny because you can have a playmate in a stranger. Even it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be someone you have an established relationship. It just to me, play is that absence of judgment where you're present in the moment and you're just meeting mm-hmm. life as it arises. And so you can have you can be in an airport, you can be in a restaurant, you can be in a grocery store, you can be anywhere, and you can connect with a playmate. I was in a post office last week. Um, there was one person at the window and a very long line. I was in there for almost an hour waiting to ship uh, something to a client. And, um, you know, it could have been, you could have been a whole bunch of people sitting there bitching and moaning and complaining. It could have been like that. Interestingly enough, Mm -hmm. the one guy who was working in there is, uh, he's probably, I don't know, he's like a career postal worker. And he has an amazing, he has an amazing degree of patience and um, really, keeps a upbeat energy in his interactions with people. So so as we're all standing there, because you can't help but, like, watch what's going on. You're sitting there, and you're, like, waiting and waiting and watching and waiting and watching and waiting. And everyone in the line started interacting with one another just spontaneously, right? Like, we're chatting with each other. We're talking about it. And it, in, in, in what could have been, a, like, a, a really unpleasant time of, like, bitching and moaning and all of that or listening to other people do it, it became mm-hmm. – it, it had an energy of playful. Like, those people standing in line with me that afternoon became playmates. And, and for me, frankly – I was. I started laughing. I, at one point, I was like, "This is so ridiculous. I can't do anything but laugh." And I started laughing uncontrollably. And I don't know if anybody's ever done that, but it seems to be contagious sometimes when you start laughing like that. And pretty soon, other people are laughing, or at least chuckling to themselves, or putting a smile on their face. And in that moment, I had a, a, a line full of people as playmates. It doesn't have to look any certain way. What if play was undefined, and you could just be in the energy of it? Mm. I love that. That's exactly, <laughs> exactly why I, I just think, you know, if I have an addiction, it is play. 
Like, mm. um, and I know that there is all kinds of opportunities to judge play. And I've been given all this, you know, immature and ridiculous and, you know, don't you take anything seriously. I've had all kinds of stuff. And I just play with that too. Because it is just about being in the moment. You know, I, I speak about it often. That's what creation is to me, taking whatever it is that's around and just creating with it. You know, whether, you, whether I refer to it as improv or magic or play, whatever it is, it is my aliveness. That is, those are the key components of my aliveness. And I know everybody has their own variety. But even today I was on Facebook and, you know, re, like sharing post links and all that stuff that I do when the show comes up. And I saw this video of this little baby playing with her mouth. She had just learned. She knew how to do the the sucking with the mouth. But she had just learned that if she does, that it tickles her lips and her tongue. And so she was doing the raspberries, and she would laugh, and you could tell it, it tickled. And then sometimes she'd get confused and try to suck in, and she'd do the popping, and then she'd go back out to push, and it would tickle her, and she would laugh. And I was like, you know how simple we come with a toy. You know, (laughs) when's the last time you play with that? And I turned the video toward Sherry and she started laughing. And then we just kept laughing. And I went over to Jen, started it. And I was like, hey, you know, what do you do with this? And people started posting videos about playing and laughing and doing raspberries and sticking out their tongue and all this stuff. And you know what? When did we decide the growing up and getting mature meant that we stopped having fun. Like I think about that and I think about, you know, your lips tickling and doing the raspberry with your lips. No wonder kids laugh when they fart because that's what happens with their butt. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, that does that too. You know? <laughs> no wonder. Who says play has to be structured unless you believed it has to be? And what is possible if you just roll with what is, whether it is, you know, a fart or raspberries or nonsense or waiting in line or whatever it is, what is possible if you would be willing to play with it? Mm, Yeah. And, you know, I have to admit that this was something that came late in life for me. Um, I grew up in an environment where criticism was the norm and, you know, just judgment pervasively. And and so play is only possible in the absence of judgment. And there's entertainment, which is different than play. Again, the contrast, the distinction between entertainment and play. Like, I can entertain myself, I can amuse myself, um, but play has a has a different energy. And I really, I didn't play as a kid. I have zero, except maybe... Uh, like on my bike, you know what I mean? I, I would take my bike. We had a, an open area down at the – kind of on the corner of our neighborhood. It was a big bluff in L.A. overlooking like a – anyway, uh, an airfield. <laughs> and i go down mm-hmm. there. And, and so like being on my bike, there was something about being able to go fast on my bike and the freedom that that felt like, uh, kind of leaving everything behind, right, just being on that bike, going pedaling fast and – that was really about the only time that I had some sense of, you know, freedom. And, and everything else was just sort of so, mm, so overlaid with criticism and judgment at, that I was mostly hiding and mostly quiet and not speaking and keeping to myself. And so play was something that really em- emerged in my life later. I was I was a party girl. I mean, I started drinking at 13 and doing drugs shortly thereafter, and for 20 years I was a major party girl. But that's not really play. <laughs> I mean, there was mm. there was dancing. I guess that, as I think about it, like the times that I moved my body, the times that I was in my body, um, that's where everything else seemed to drop away. So so dancing, you know, riding my bike, or, mm. or later being out in nature. But the play part really didn't emerge until the um, – at least not consistently until the judgment and criticism started to fall away. There might've been pockets where it was like, um, Oh, the play emerged. It was like, Oh, now I have to go back to being my regular self. You know, like we interrupt this regularly scheduled programming for five minutes of play. And now you got to go back to being your regular self. So it's, (laughs) it's amazing what a difference that, um, because there's a freedom in play for me 
There's a mm-hmm. freedom uh, that it's like I, I'm not thinking about anything. I'm not worrying about anything. I'm just in that moment, really present in that moment with whomever is there, you know, who's present in the post office, who's present in the grocery store, mm-hmm. who's present with me um, giggling, laughing, being silly, uh, nonsensical. Uh, I mean, there's – it's <sighs> – I am I, I think there's a there's an awareness of of people that are like I don't think I would probably uh, went to a funeral recently I shared with that and I don't think I would be I was playful in a different way at, but not maybe like um there's an honoring of other people and recognizing that okay this is a somber experience for them I walked around smiling at everybody cuz that was what was fun for me <laughs> that was my version of mm-hmm. playing that day but you know, it's like there's this. It's 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 not like the bull in the china shop either, right? I think sometimes mm-hmm. people. Um, uh, I'm thinking of an experience on a plane one time where there was a, a group of guys who may have thought they were being playful, but it was truly disruptive to the rest of the people on the plane. So, so mm-hmm. there's like this sweet spot of play is a generative energy that contributes. It's a generative energy right. that contributes. So if it's that bull in the china shop and suddenly people are like, and, and, and not to say that people aren't going to have their point of view. There might be people who are, while you're being playful in that generative energy, might judge you simply because that's an energy they don't allow for themselves. That can happen a lot. If you're being an energy of play and other people are like, adults don't play. We don't do that. We're not, you know, I don't allow myself to do that. How dare you allow yourself to do that? And they're not going to say that out loud, but that's perhaps what's going on inside of them. <laughs> so I don't mean that kind of a judgment, but there's a, there's a contributive energy to a generative energy to play that's contagious. And it can actually, you know, it's like it catches, it, it's catching to other people versus um, something that is again, more like that bull in a china shop where other people are like, okay, you you're you're really being disruptive rather than um, playful. Mm-hmm. Just trying to pull in some mm-hmm. of the distinctions and contrasts in there. Well, I love that. I really do love that. You brought up entertainment, and so of course I look at the contrast between play and entertainment. Mm. And play, in when you go to just what it is, it's a quick motion. It's a brisk activity. That's what play is considered by definition. And then you go to entertainment, and it's external stimulant to keep mm. and keep up or maintain a certain frame of mind. Mm. So you can see the contrast there. That's distinct. And so when you're talking about that, I love that bowl in the china cabinet. Play is not something to inflict on another. It is an invitation. So yes. when I've been in those environments and I've seen it where people are playing and they are just happily in their thing and anybody wants to engage – Knock yourself out, come and join in, but they don't go around inflicting it on others. Like sometimes the noise, you know, they're laughing loud or something. People feel that's inflicted on them or, you know, you can't really please everybody, just saying. But <laughs> there's a, an invitation, an invitation for others. And Sherry and I, when we first met and we were hanging out, just getting to know each other, we went out and spent one day out kind of on the town here in Bernie where we were at. And, um, so interesting because we everywhere we went we were laughing and talking and being in a lot of just curiosity we didn't know each other well we were just meeting up as friends getting to know each other all we knew is we were both music lovers and that we both loved to laugh and the more we laughed the more we would laugh and so we took that out into public places you know having lunch at a place going to you know the deck at one of our favorite restaurants and doing that and what ended up happening was literally strangers in fact, some strangers were even out of town, would come to our table and say, I am so sorry, you're having so much fun. Can we join you? We don't even know what you're talking about, but we just keep laughing at our table and we're like, why not join them? So they would scoot their chairs over and join us. And then we were at lunch in a cafe and this lady leaned over and said, I don't even know what you're talking about, but I just, you guys are so fun. I just want to join you and stay, but I got to go back to work. And we were like, hey, thanks for playing with us. And it's that invitation to lighten up, to let go for a moment. Even, I mean, it's, have you ever heard something that is so nonsensical? You have no definition in your mind for it. You have no category, no label, but you're so swept into the energy of laughter that you end up just laughing. And somebody says, what are you laughing at? And you just go, I don't know, but I'm just laughing. That's, that mm-hmm. is playful to me. And 
when we talk about being entertained so many times. And, yeah, there's a whole, I mean, I could go on a quite a rant about this, but so many times people think that their child is playing because they're not bugging them when actually they are being entertained. They're not engaging uh-huh. in a play, full activity. They are not in any kind of activity or swift motion or engagement. They are sitting being entertained, whether they are watching others play, whether they are watching a screen, which unfortunately right now is the most predominant babysitter on the planet. And Mm -hmm. it is very, very different. That's why so many people my age, you know, and other generations are like, what in the hell is going on with Mm -hmm. children these days? Because they don't know how to play. They don't know how to engage. They don't know how to entertain themselves by being engaged in the play of the entertainment. They want the external entertainment to keep them in a state of entertained or pleasing or whatever it is. And there is a big contrast to that. And so what I'm proposing here on this show is, would you be willing with the state of the planet, would you be willing to be an instigator of play? Everybody listening at any time you listen to this, would you be willing to be one point of light of play on the planet at least one time a day? Would you be willing to make that change? Because I'm telling you, the contagious nature of this, it will spread. Mm-hmm. No matter what's going on, I don't. You, you've got a built-in. You well, you've got a lot of built-in toys on your body. But I'm just saying about your mouth and making sound. <laughs> like the guys reference. Would you be willing to just for no, no good reason? There's no good reason. It can't be justified. But would you choose to play? That's my invitation. Mm. I think it changes stuff. There's there's something about uh, significance that so so one of the other things that we kind of been looking at this week is as we're talking about these generative energies is what are the, some of the obstacles like what are some of the things that we get up against and we're like oh no there goes the you know the energy plays out the window and one of the things that I see as a as an obstructor is when you make something super significant. Super mm-hmm. significant, right? Like, <laughs> I yeah. have a tendency to break out in skipping. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're walking along and, and uh, 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 along the city street or whatever, and uh, just, well, I like to break out and start skipping, you know? it's like, and, and it's funny how when my body gets engaged, the laughter starts, right? Because the significance of so often we're thinking about um, there's a self-consciousness, right? Like other people are watching me and, you know, am I, what am I wearing? Do I, have, do I have crap in my teeth? And, you know, it's like, um, you know, there's, there's sort of like this, this self-consciousness that's present for most people almost all the time, and there's a significance to that. Like um, the energy of significance is weighted. When I, when I mm-hmm. tap into significance, there's a weightedness to it. And when I tap into the energy of play, there's a buoyancy to it. So these two are kind mm-hmm. of, they kind of don't really go together, if you know what I'm saying. You know, as soon as you apply right. something that's weighted, then it starts to weigh you down into that place of, like, seriousness. And and uh, so if I engage my body, like, if I literally just start skipping down the street, all of that, you know, it, self-consciousness for me just sort of evaporates, if that's even going on at all. Generally it's not if I'm starting to skip on the street. Um, and there's a buoyancy that is uh, kind of pe- per- permeates my body and the giggling and the laughter and just the silliness and starts to, like, there's there's – little ways that I can amuse myself and, and, and it becomes playful. It turns into that energy of play. What is that for you? You know, just start looking at where have you been weighted down by self-consciousness, significance of things, you know, like what are people going to think? Um, or, or the significance of, um, I don't know, I, I'm trying to come up with examples and they're sort of escaping me at the moment, but we tend to put significance on everything. I, I know that um, I've, I've had, so I went to a TED Talk years ago, and um, my first one, I was really excited. It was like a TEDx event here in Denver, and uh, and I was like, wow, you know, these are going to be, I had this idea that, 
I've I've been a fan of TED for a long time, probably since close to whenever it started. And and these are innovators, and these are mavericks, and these are visionaries, and the, the people. I I think in my imagination, the people that engage in and are you know they're kind of they're they're leading um, us into a new frontier of of future possibility. So I'm really excited because I'm thinking, oh my god, I'm going to be in a whole you know big giant auditorium full of people that are kind of like my tribe, my peeps, if you want to just call it that. <laughs> and and watching, you know, the people on, on stage sharing whatever their new inventive visionary idea is. And it was so interesting to see that the real, I was really struck by the contrast of the people who were presenting, who got up there and talked about whatever they were doing in the world because they were sharing, you know, something that inspired them. Something inspired them to go uh, take action in the world and contribute in some way that was was, uh, important to them. And there was a real distinction between the people who were doing that in play, and you could see it was just an emanation of their joyful uh, expression, and then there were the people who made this very serious. And it was like, you know, come on, people, we need to fix this. We need to change the world. This is important. This is significant. This is serious. You know, and you were just – and you could you could palpably feel the difference in the energy of the audience in the room of the people who were up there. And, like, you know, there was this one inventor guy. I'll never forget him. He's, he's just, he was so engaging because he was in that energy of play. He was an inventor, and he had he just invented stuff for the fun of it. It was just fun for him, and he had invented all kinds of things. And the latest thing that he was really excited about sharing in the world was um, some kind of contraption that moved water with ease. And, uh, you know, like he's down in Africa in a place where, <clears throat> you know, they don't have easy access to water, and he invented this thing. And, you know, rather than having <clears throat> women carry it from, you know, the well to wherever, mm-hmm. he invented this super easy, like, water pump that would just move water easily from point A to point B. And he's up there, and he's talking about it, he's showing pictures, and you could – people were in rapt attention. They were drawn in. It was magnetic. And you could just feel everybody in the room. The audience was just, like, with him in his on his journey of sharing, you know, what this was contributing in the world. And it was really a yummy energy to be uh, uh, bathed in. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is great. And this guy and what he's doing in the world, yay for him. And I want to, you know, it makes people want to join in. And then there was another woman, again, in contrast, where – she gets up on the stage and she's talking about she's everything is serious and significant and broken and fix it now and all of these it's problematic and all and everyone again in contrast you could feel the people in the room who were like they wanted to run they wanted to get out of there like make it stop make it stop make it stop <laughs> it was not inviting it was not magnetic it was not in in a place that drew you in that made it you wanted to contribute you wanted to run away and it was so palpable. It was so interesting. And I'll never forget that because it was such a wonderful contrast of the energy and play and how inviting it is and the, and, and the opposite, if you want to call it an opposite, that was just, you know, so serious, so significant. And it was all about all the problems and everything's broken and we need to get in there and fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it. And I just was like, wow, it doesn't draw me in to want to contribute to your cause. It doesn't. I just really want to go somewhere else. Right. <clears throat> I absolutely love that because I've experienced similar things. And I watch and I think, do you know what's happening around? Do, are you aware mm-hmm. of what's going on? Are you aware of the push? Are you aware of the that force and inflict? Mm-hmm. And, and really the energy of if you don't agree, you're wrong. And mm-hmm. that is such a turnoff. That's such a push. And when it comes to play, you know, there are comments about, you know, just laughing, anything that includes laughter. There's a message about I have way more ease with money when I play at work. My body aches less when I play, that kind of thing. So people are mm-hmm. really acknowledging this. And when you think about that, you go, you know, listen to a TED Talk and that environment, you think, oh, my gosh, there's so much engagement and innovation. And then there's the push and the have-tos and the shoulds come out. And the contrast is stark. So think about this. Where do you play most in your life? Like what topic, what area of your life is 
allowed to have play? Is it, uh, do you play only with sex? Do you play with food? Do you play only with your grandkids? Like, where's the play and where is the significance or the conclusions or the heaviness? Mm. And look at that. And just ask yourself, what would change in my life if I played with this more? I, I did a coaching program, oh gosh, it was a few years ago, like 2008 or something like that, and it was Play Your Way to Money, and it was so fun, and we were literally coming up with how many games and how much play could we have with money, and would that generate money? It was like this grand experiment for the facilitator, and when it was all said and done, she and I were meeting just to hang out because we were friends, and she said, here's the surprise. And I was like, okay. She goes, you know, every group, everything you keep always has a surprise. My like, yeah, she goes, I coached more people on their resistance to play than I did about money the entire time. Mm. She said people had literally screaming matches about the wrongness of play. And she was so stunned. She was like, that's the surprise. I I thought we were going to be dealing with money, but instead we were dealing with play. Because so many people are taking on the judgment, taking on the categories of appropriateness, the timing of play and where it belongs and where it doesn't belong. And she was just stunned by it. And I was, too. I was really surprised by what had come up. And, you know, it's not a judgment. It was just like, oh, wow, I would not think that would be a problem. Why? Because that's not my problem. It doesn't make it any less true for the person experiencing it, but I would be unaware that that would be a struggle. And so that brought to my awareness, like when I go out and I'm playing in public, it's so fun to notice how many people, you know, it's like I was talking about yesterday, the mascot heads, and Sherry walking around with a kitty cat head on her and then changing to a tiger and then changing to a bear, you know, and the difference in people walking by with that look like, oh, do not think I'm going to play with you. I'm here to grocery shop. <laughs> versus, versus the people who are like bringing their children over and they're engaging and they're giggling and laughing and all of that. Like it is stark. It's a stark contrast. So yeah. what is this? You know, there's a lot of yeah buts. Yeah, but don't you understand? You know, I have um Boy, I did myself a little favor, and I was diagnosed with a serious illness, and I've actually kind of given an expiration date, like, well, you know what, best case scenario, you got five years, and all of that stuff, and I can remember laying in bed and looking at my wall of affirmations and motivational thoughts and really just being present with what was, and the most... um, I don't know, the most helpful thing that I could possibly do is to watch things that didn't make me dwell on further my physical condition that I was in. And so I would watch comedy. I would, Robin Williams is just one of my favorite, I just, he's my mentor. He's my improv mentor. And so I would watch his shows. I would watch Lucille Ball. I would watch the Carol Burnett show. I would watch all kinds of things. So, and because literally at that time, I could not go out and play. I couldn't skip down the street. I was laying in bed in extreme pain. But if I laughed, somehow the pain took a backseat to the laughter. And so I would laugh as much as possible. And I understand those situations. Like, trust me, I know. In fact, one of the best, um, <laughs> yeah, Bird Cage is one of the, the shows mentioned, one of the best shows to laugh at, right? One of the things that happened when Kelsey died was I lost my laughter. I, I didn't know what it would be. And I remember watching Sex in the City, the movie, and um, the character Carrie Fisher is, you know, not laughing. And her, she says, will I ever laugh again? And her friends say, when something's funny enough, you will. Well, I'm not doing any horrible spoiler alerts here, but something hysterical happens and she ends up laughing. And she laughs and laughs and laughs. It's like, oh, there it is. And I remember telling myself that line from that movie over and over and over again. When something is funny enough, I will laugh again. And when the laughter returned, I was at Disneyland Kelsey's favorite place on earth. And I was on the Raiders of the Lost Ark 
ride, which is super jerky and super nonsensical and flipping and jerking and swerving and diving and, you know, climbing and surprises coming. And that is when my physical activity, now remember, play is quick, right? Quick motion, brisk activity. I was on a ride that gave me quick, brisk activity. And that is when the laughter broke through. And I laughed the whole way off that ride. And I've been laughing ever since. So if you're in a place, I have compassion for that place of not being able to laugh. And when something is funny enough, you will, it will find you. But you might need to move your body to provide it the way out. Mm. Yeah, engaging the body can be a great gift in as a as a gateway to play uh, to to the that buoyant. Uh, energy of play and absence of significance and self-consciousness and all of those things that sort of obstruct it, for sure, for sure. So I'm listening to you, and I'm wondering, where have people decided play is not appropriate? It's not allowed here. I was thinking back to, I was was recalling, um, you know, a 20-year business career, and working in, you know, corporate offices, and I'm the business operations manager, which, of course, is very significant. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and the things that were important to me at that time, like, this is not a place for play. I, I didn't have play. Mm-hmm. I had entertainment. I had partying in my life at that time, but not a lot of just play. I, I know when I used to go, it's funny because I used to go swimming in Lake Tahoe, and my body would light up like a Christmas tree. It loves swimming in that lake. And I couldn't, like, literally, the moment that my body was submerged in that lake, the giggling would begin. And I couldn't, I mean, there was no controlling that, not that I was trying to, but that was probably the only place that I really experienced that buoyant energy at that time in that, like, really expansive, generative way. And when I went to the office, that was not allowed, right? Because there were rules and there were there were things we're here to get a job done and you know, I'm in charge of the bottom line and, and so it's really interesting to reflect back on that and look at all the areas where I decided play was not allowed. This is not a place for play. And and I and I have a feeling um that my the the people that I was managing every once in a while on a Friday I'd get the fuckets. <laughs> and and on a Friday afternoon, you know, I'd come in on a Friday and long about, you know, by the, by the time we get to noon, I was like, ah, it's Friday, fuck it, you know. And I, and I just wouldn't do any more work. <laughs> I would just, like, kind of wander around the office and chat with people or stand in my office doorway. And, and that was about as much play as I let into that environment um, that really I was kind of in charge of. And, and when it came to customer interaction, you know, it was always about, like, well, this is our policy because it was all about rules. And rules are one of those other things that can kind of sneak in and obstruct the energy of play if we're always going to follow the rules. I mean, I think about being a kid and, um, uh, you know, when when we couldn't be outside enjoying just whatever kind of uh, trouble we could come up with outside, we'd play a lot of board games, a lot of board games. We didn't have all the screen stuff that, that kids have now. And there were people who were obsessed with following the rules to the exact, you know, exactly yep. – and then there were other people who were like, eh, no, let's just play. Come on, let's just get the game moving. Like, the rules are not that relevant. And, and you know, was it about winning? Was it about, like, following the rules is going to uh, be the, the mm-hmm. way that I can win? Because I shared this before. I didn't really care about winning. I just wanted to play. I just wanted to play the game and, you know, be in that interaction with everybody else. But this is where we can start getting curious. Start getting curious with ourselves. Where have we closed the door to play? What are those areas? What have you made more important, more significant? Are rules more significant than play? Do the rules always, when, whenever you're in an environment where policies uh, are in place or rules are in place, do they take precedence over play? Have you made it an either-or? Can play and you know policies and rules perhaps actually coexist harmoniously? <laughs> I didn't allow that, frankly. I, I allowed the rules took precedent, the policies took precedent, and I was the enforcer of those rules and those policies. And I took that very seriously. And there was not a lot of play. And I look back on that now and I'm like, hmm, 
wonder what it could have been like if I allowed more play, except for every once in a while when I got the Friday fuckets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a really great question. I know that when I was, I mean, sadly, when I was raising my kids, early on I was all about the play, and then I went through this, you know, like I said, I had the iron rod up my ass, and I got super, you know, religious and trying to do everything right, and I was in a control zone because I was terrified, to be honest. I was really scared of how fucked up I had chosen a series of events and choices that were like, oh, no, this is all wrong, and I had fucked it up, and it was so bad. So I had to be super religious because God would save me from it. And uh, if I was just religious enough, all the fucked up would go away. And I bought into that for a lot of years. It made me very, very rigid. And it's no surprising that I got sick at all. And then I got to play. And I went playful because I was like, wow, all of that did nothing other than I was miserable. I was sick. And it wasn't fun. And I'm like the fun generator. And so when I hear that and I think, oh, thank God. Like, thank God you found play. Thank God you've done whatever got you to where you are or we wouldn't be here, you know? And I, if I would stayed where I was, we wouldn't be here. We would not be having this conversation. We would not be sharing the platform of seducing aliveness if we had each stayed in that place. And so each of us found our way. Each of us had play. And I am so glad because it set me free when you talk about it i think wow you really set yourself free like that was what turned the key that undid the chains and the cages and all of that bullshit that shuts us down Mm. and so if somebody is listening and you know you're like wow get into this seriousness is play the antidote for the misery that's going on in your life and is is moving your body a way to you know slowly creep into that change would you be willing mm. i mean i have a rebound that i bounce on i have a yoga ball that i bounce on because i know for me not for everybody but for me if i will bounce my body i stay in motion. The pain leaves my body. I have less, you know, joint pain and that kind of stuff that I am able to keep going and have more fun. Just recently, Sherry and I went over to a friend's house because Sherry, funny, huh? Sherry was having back pain. So we went to their pool and I got about, about to my upper thighs into the water and my body just melted. Like, forget walking. I just right down into the water and I and played the entire time I was there for like three hours in the water, which created an awesome sunburn for my fair skin. But it was it, that didn't even matter to me. I was like, that was so awesome. My body loved it so much that I'm going to do that more. And not just when it makes therapeutic sense and Sherry has a backache. Like, that's bullshit. What am I doing? Why are we waiting to go play in water when we have a back pain. I, I mean, we talked about it. Like, what have we been waiting for? You know, all these friends have said, you can use our pool any time. And we're like, why haven't we done this? What were, what were we, like, that's a limitation we put on ourselves. And so I just ask, like, where are you limiting? And would bouncing help? <laughs> a comment was brought up about sex. Play in sex sure does make it more fun. But a lot of people keep it so serious. Boy, that's someplace play should I think it's a lot more fun to be playful when you're having you know sexual activities with another human being like how is why would that be serious let's have fun I uh, you you had you said earlier in the show it's been a little while ago now you were you were talking about um playing and and you you mentioned you actually said mentioned play and sex and uh-huh. um in that moment it it <laughs> I I, of course, went right to an experience <laughs> that I had back in the day <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> of, a, of a, well, you know, 
I I like to have a good time, and and I was at a bar one time, and I picked up a a little Irish guy who's li- like from Ireland, literally. I was in California; he was there visiting, and I picked him up and took him home because I can. And um, it was a hilarious evening of play and sex and sex and play and play and sex and sex and play. Hilar- like we get we laughed the whole night. And it's one of those, you know, I'm I'm no stranger to one night stands, and that's one I will never forget because it was so much fun, because we laughed the whole time, and and I have talked to more people than I ever imagined would say this to me that they don't have any laughter in sex at all, ever, hmm. and I'm like, wait, w- what? Like, what? I mean, my little brain was like. Does not compute. Does not compute. Does not compute. Does not compute. And 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 hearing more and more and more people talk about that. I mean, when you're doing coaching for as many years, you this comes up. You hear it. You hear it again. You hear it again. You hear it again. You hear it again. You're like, wow! Like that is inconceivable to me. And yet, this is such a common experience. So, what makes sex so serious? What makes it a one of those spaces where play is not allowed, laughter is not allowed? And and when I really, you know, started getting curious with clients and people that would, would be willing to have this conversation with me, it's the shame. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. the shame. We talked about uh, significance, being, like, significance being an energy that's sort of weighted. So is shame. Shame is like a cement brick. You know, if you bring shame or, or worry about, like, you know, is my stomach hanging out and is my um, – am I doing it right and am I making the right sounds and, you know, uh-oh, there's some fluid. Oh, God. You know, like, you start having that kind of stuff going on in your world, that's an obstructor to play. You know, we talked about – I talked a little bit about, like, the self-consciousness. If there's a, any kind of self-consciousness going on, then this is an obstructor to play. And, I mean, that's probably a whole other show that we'll have to do perhaps another time about how to bring play into into sex. But, wow, because, again, just a reminder, play is a generative energy. In my experience, sexual energy is a generative energy, unless we're trying to do it right or we're worried about our stomach hanging out or we're worried about like, you know, like the, the, it can really be, there can be so much shame and judgment infused in the sexual experience that, that a lot of the enjoyment is uh, not even available. It's not even available because there's so much judgment and self-consciousness and all of that kind of stuff versus, you know, like, I mean, I've been talking about my body. This, my body is my fun vehicle where all pleasure is possible. I've been talking about mm-hmm. it this way for many, many, many years now. And every once in a while when I say it, you know, and people have never heard me say it before, they just, they, they, they laugh. They're like, I've never thought about my body that way before. And I'm like, well, I didn't either until I started playing with it more. Just like that kind of play that is absent of the self-consciousness and judgment and what will people think. <laughs> really is you know allow our, our bodies are the main event in sex just say it. <laughs> our bodies are the main event right so you, you can't i love that <laughs> oh my god so if you can't allow play with your body i think maybe this is my interesting point of view you might be missing out a little bit cuz if you're doing sex in your head uh, yeah. I, 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 I'm having, I'm having one of those does not compute, does not compute, does not compute. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I love about what you said, and I was like, what am I, what is, oh, it just felt like there was awareness floating around. Play and sex both require the action to be in your body. Like, yeah. you to truly enjoy it. Truly enjoy it, because you can do both of them completely checked out of your body. And you guys know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. When you're, like, up on the ceiling doing the grocery list, you know, you're doing, da da oh, what's in the bank account? I got to do this, da 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 And meanwhile, you know, there's a going on, and you're not in your body. You know, <laughs> like, it, it's really more enjoyable, play and sex, if you're actually in your body. 
And I don't understand, like it doesn't compute for me, why you would have this human body experience and not be in your body to experience it. Just think about that for a minute. Is part of what's going on in your world where you decide to take a play out of it is because you're trying to avoid being in your body. Because mm-hmm. if you have judgment, shame, all of that in your body, that can make you avoid the very thing you're judging, which means you're not having the actual experience of sex and play. So just an invitation. Get curious about that. And do you want to do something different maybe? <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it creates separation, right? I mean, we've been talking about this for, for weeks, months. Judgment creates separation. So if you're in judgment of your body or anything else in the bedroom, then you're actually separating from the experience itself. You're not having a direct experience. You're not – I love that. Like, um, play – This is. it's just wonderful how these uh, things become more – enlivened in the conversation right like I, I just got this distinction again between the difference between play and um, entertainment a lot of times entertainment is is primarily engaging with our mind mm-hmm. engaging with your mind not, and that's not to say that you can't bring your body into it because you can but often mm-hmm. times people don't it's like the body becomes um it's not. It's off the radar. Like it's not even. You you can lose even any kind of awareness of your body. You're just you're just primarily all up here in your head. It's all a mental thing when when entertainment is happening, but the body is is like being engaged in the body, bringing that to the space of play, or or bring, bringing that in and as the space of play. That's what changes something that might be pri- just simply entertainment into that energy of play. It does. It does engage the body it is the body is present you the being are in communion present with your body that seems like that really primary distinction between some of these things we've been talking about and i think about i'm like oh yeah i mean just in reflection i'm i'm noticing uh where there's a, a whole a whole like i'm i'm all here i'm all here I'm not just mentally here. I'm all here in this moment. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm all engaged. Like all of me is engaged, not just my mind, not just thinking. Um it's really different. It's really really different. And if we have mm-hmm. created separation through judgment, separation from our body, um that is making an enormous impact on the experience that we're having. Direct experience, and in, in, for me, in, in my experience, direct experience requires that the body be present along with the mind. Um, otherwise, it's sort of like a muted experience that I'm, and I've said this before, like I'm having, I'm, I'm thinking about what I'm doing as opposed to having an unedited, unaltered, unfiltered direct experience with all of me, my body, my being, all of me. I'm just, this kind of, that just, Right. I I'm I'm like, "Oh yeah. Wow. Like in this moment I'm really getting the palpable distinction." Mhm. Hmm. I, well, like I I think that <laughs> yeah. I I think that's why that memory came up for me of being on the ride at Disneyland because I couldn't mm. not be in my body. I had to engage my core so I wasn't slamming against the stranger next to me. Like I it really, I had to be in my body because of the the physical experience I was having. And and to let myself go with that ride, you know, was really what set me free. It set me to flow emotions beyond the grief. And that's, I know that that's, you know, I mean, for me, I think it saved my ass. You know, I could have stayed locked down in that for many, many years. But it shook me loose, literally, physically. <laughs> And I'm very thankful. And so more play. What would happen if you increased the amount you play in whatever way you desire with your body, engaging whatever that is, by 1, 3, 5%? What would change in your life? And what areas do you not play in would you be willing to experiment with playing and see what happens. Because if you notice that you are a rule follower and that that's where you 
down and you, you're you like, oh, yeah, I am one of those people. I don't play the game just to play the game. I want to fucking win. And I want the rules to prove that I won. If you're one of those, like, is is that your ego seeking validation or is that really, truly fun for you? How does that register for you? If it's working for you, keep doing it. But if you find a place in your life that says something's got to change, would you be willing, instead of getting serious about that change, getting really locked down and how fucking serious you can make change, would you be willing to experiment with playing your way to change? Mm. What would happen? You know, and and it's interesting how uh, force is... Um, it's held in high regard. <laughs> it's held as valuable. It's held, um, there's a lot of people who really look to force as um, their strategy, their tool. And they're like, yeah, this is, this is how you get things done. You know, you force it. And I, I've shared this before. I got to the point in my life where I was like, cause I used to do that really well too. And I was, I was like, I can't force myself to force myself anymore. It's, it, was, it felt like it was killing me, literally. It felt like it was killing me. That if I continued on that trajectory of forcing myself to force myself, that it was going to kill me slowly. And when I see people trying to force change, I, I, it never worked for me. And, I, and I'm using the word never, actually, very deliberately. It really never worked for me, that degree of force. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes force is an energy that is so common that people don't even know when they're doing it. I didn't. I didn't at all. I mean, I remember, I, I don't know, remember when, but I remember having this, like, a gigantic aha one day, and I was like, oh, my God, I've been using so much force in my life, and I didn't even know it. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't aware. It's so common. It's so normalized. That everybody mm-hmm. just thinks, yep, that's it. That's how you change things. That's how you do things. Force, 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 force. And sometimes that force can be very subtle. Right. And play includes, for me, that energy of allowance. So when you're playing, it's it's absence of that significance. It's absence of that ser- seriousness. It's absence of that self-consciousness. It's absence of judgment. And when you play your way to change, the ease with which things can just, it's like being on a slip and slide. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyone remember slip and slides when you were a kid? I had one and boy, was it fun in the summertime. (laughs) And there's something about that, you know, just running as fast as you can and then hop jumping on that slip and slide and sliding down that thing for what, you know, 25 yards. I don't remember. Um, and it was just riding. You were just, your body was just going through with the momentum. And, um, there's something about play that just carries the energy. It's just, there's just a momentum in play that the areas, the energy is just carried and it's, it's literally absent of force. Absent of force. If you stopped forcing, 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 forcing everything, and, you know, that goes back to the control, and we've already done shows about that. Um, When I really, really got to the place where I was like, you know what? There's nothing wrong here. There's nothing broken here. There's nothing that needs to be fixed. When I really got that life was unfuck-uppable, and I couldn't make a mistake, and I couldn't get it wrong... It was just about having fun here in Adventureland. That then the, there was no. I was like, and I would force something for what reason? Like I can mm-hmm. begin to perceive any, any, even the little bit, the slightest energy of force now, and I'm just like, oh, I can't force myself to force myself anymore. And so then it's like, okay, well, what would be, what would be more fun? Like to, it, it's like the invitation to that energy of play. What energy yep. could you invite? What energy of play could you invite into the areas that feel stuck, that feel forced, that feel full of resistance and full of refusal and full of defense and full of proving and full of getting? 
What energy of play could you invite in that would just change it like that? Right. Might be. It might take some practice. Uh, you know. Right. Yeah. And and it's such such a beautiful thing. This invitation for play. And you know, as the show wraps up, I really want to to share that there's an invitation on the table for more play. More play. What would more play do for your aliveness? Could you be seduced into more play? What would that look like for you? And so Tamara and I just had a conversation about having more play in our life also. And so, um, <laughs> nice segue, huh? So <laughs> yep. we are going to play. Well done. And we are going to play beautifully. And we're going to do that by actually taking a little vacation from seducing aliveness. We're going to have ourselves a little playcation and um, take a little break from doing live shows every day. And we will be back and don't go away because this isn't the end, but we will be back, but we're going to go play in our aliveness for a few weeks. And we invite you to do the same. And we invite you to revisit the shows that have already aired, but yeah, what would it? What will happen if you spend the next few weeks playing in your aliveness? What will be here when we come back to the live air, your airtime of shows? And let's, what else is possible? Mm-hmm. What do you think about that, Tamara? <laughs> I'm, I'm so like, and it's so interesting because this really has been a journey. A hundred shows, right? This has been a journey, and mm-hmm. we've gone all over all kinds of terrain and and you know exploring and asking questions and getting curious and revealing and exposing and i mean it's been it's been a journey so i wonder what it would be like to re-listen to tune back in to to some of the shows you've already heard or listen to the ones you've missed and be like what and and notice what you notice in the energy of the shows now that when you heard it the first time was like wow i didn't i couldn't that just bounced that didn't penetrate i right. wasn't ready to hear that i wasn't willing to receive that or oh my gosh i'm hearing that in such a different way now it's it's inviting me to something different that i didn't quite uh you know wasn't prepared or ready or open for the first time i heard it so um yeah it's mercury retrograde as a matter of fact which all is all about revisiting just saying <laughs> <laughs> well and if so, you follow us on facebook yeah we've each got our own pages we're going to be reposting and sharing our favorites as well so we're going to be sharing what we revisit and what we're playing with and we would love for you to stay engaged and let us know what are you playing in what's going on what's what happens for you as you play with whatever is going on in the world? Will you take that as an invitation to create with it? Yeah. What's possible? Mm-hmm. I think everything's mm-hmm. possible. I'm very excited. And I do want to mention that the amazing Tamara is going to be having a birthday palooza during this vacation Ooh. that we're taking from yes, the show. And so I think it officially starts now, Tamara. I think your birthday mm-hmm. okay. palooza starts today. <laughs> I will so have that. (laughs) Birthday Palooza starts now. Yes, I say so. (laughs) So I look forward to hearing about your adventures because I know the celebration is going to be extraordinary and full of a lot of aliveness. So I look forward to you sharing. And to the listeners, thank you so much for being here with us. We look forward to playing in our aliveness and bringing all that we experience back when we come back to doing the live shows. But in the meantime, I really hope you let aliveness seduce you and that you have a great time playing in it. And thank you, Tamara, so much for every single day and all 100 shows and all that Mm. it's taught us. I look forward to many more. Absolutely. Chin, chin. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I raised my glass in (laughs) celebration. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, everybody. We will be back when we're back, but stay tuned so you can know when that is. And in the meantime, have a great time. And thanks for tuning in to Seducing Aliveness. That's Tamara Yonker, and I'm Jen Halterman, and we'll be back with you soon. Yeah, (laughs) go play. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. (laughs) Bye-bye.